Amen. Who enjoys transition seasons? Who likes... <sighs> that was a mixed response. I, I don't know what I was anticipating necessarily, but um, I'm a very nostalgic kind of person. I, I, I love the, the page turn of a calendar year. It's just an opportunity to um, begin again. How many want to begin again? <laughs> um, this year, it's so funny. I, my, both my moms always say I'm so hard to get presents for um, because my response is always the same. I don't need anything. Anyone else respond that way when people ask, am I the only one? But when you got moms and grandmas or whatever, that's not the question they asked. The question was not, what do you want? Or what do you need? But what do you want? And so I, on Amazon, thank you, Amazon, they have this little feature called the wish list. Who is familiar with the Amazon wish list? Those of you who wish I never would have said that. I'm sorry in advance for all future birthdays and holidays. Well, I filled my wish list because I realized I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I'm going to be 36 in 2020, and so I, I, I began to fill my, my wish list with all these books, Atomic Habits, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, and Easy, <laughs> Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. David and Goliath, underdogs, misfits, and the art of battling giants. Outliers, the story of success. This guy looks at all the big stories of success and he, he distills all of it. Malcolm Gladwell, he's a massive New York Times bestseller. I just read chapter one of this, it was beautiful. Free to focus, a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. Oh, your best year ever. Five, a five-step plan for achieving your most important goals. I read this in like three days. It was so good. And I actually printed, I, I felt a little bit cheated that I had to do the work for you, but that's kind of my job, I guess, in that sense, when it comes sometimes to content as your pastor. But I have 55 copies of a blog post that the author basically gives in two pages his whole book. And do I have any goal setters out there? Just raise your hand. Or when you think about the year and you kind of say, what do I hope to accomplish? How did it go for you in 2019? That's not a trick question. I mean, it can be a trick question, but. Give me thumbs up or middle or, so we got some middles, we got some, kind of like this, everyone do this, so it's like, <laughs> well, anyway, I just, I, I, uh, I bring this up to say, because here's the hilarious part, my mom is so quick to the punch, no sooner had I uploaded all of these, 
I took them out of my inbox because I thought, do I really need to read all those little gimmicky, quick fix things? And before I know it, there's a box on my porch that has all these books I put in my shopping cart and then I took out of my wish list, but it's like God's playing a trick on me or something. <laughs> and so if, this, if you see me have my best year and our best year ever, you can just say, thank you, Mimi Deb, for buying all these books. And um, so... But in all, in all seriousness, I'm not going to talk about goal setting, although it would not be a wasted Sunday, I promise you. This, um, I, don't, I, you know, I, I read mostly in the realm of sort of theology, missional theology, practical theology about Jesus and certainly the scriptures. And so anytime I sort of inject, a, in, in, inject in my, my reading regimen a, a leadership or a development or something, it just does the body, soul, mind good. It gives you fresh hope. It gives you, uh, you know, I walked away from this, this book not just with a bunch of clever gimmick one-liners, but with real hope that 2020 can be a better year than 2019. Which is, well, that was wor- it was worth its, its, and maybe you're here today and you're like, that's going to be hard to pull off because 2019 was pretty sweet. Anyone like that? 2019 was just off the hook. For the rest of us, we're like, man, I had so many hopes so many dreams, so many things I wanted to attain or accomplish, or I didn't quite make it, so I'm anticipating, I'm welcoming the grace that comes with a brand new year. If that's you, raise your hand. That's certainly, certainly me. So after the service, just so in case I forget, as we wind down here in a few minutes, I did make 55 copies of his process to establish goals. It's so good, and they're all printed there for free. And it's not stealing because it was his blog. I just printed it. So all in favor, say aye. aye. So God, as we, as we move forward here in these next few minutes, and God, we, we celebrate your nearness and your goodness. I, I just pray that you would come by your spirit and that you would give us hope, give us courage, give us faith. To believe, God, that the year ahead of us really could be the best year ever. And so come, Lord, now and just speak to your people. Would you feed us with the bread of your living word? Pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. So I've been, uh, who has struggled with a little bit of a cold throughout the Christmas season? Don't raise your hand because then everyone's going to leave you. But yeah. <laughs> Don't you love when I do that, when I ask and you get ready to answer that question and then I pull the rug out. Well, anyway, yesterday as I was kind of prepping and thinking about today, I just felt pretty crummy. It's hard to like accomplish stuff that's like, you know what I'm saying? When you feel crummy, it's hard to knock things out. Am I talking to anybody today? And so what's so funny is I'm kind of just like putting around all day. My wife is totally a champ taking care of the four kids. I'm just trying to rest and stuff. And I walk down to get food that I didn't need to eat. I don't know what else to do when I just stay home all day. I just eat. It's a problem. Hey, atomic habits, tiny changes, remarkable change, <laughs> remarkable results. But I came, I came downstairs, and I'm, it wasn't a zap. My eyes didn't roll back in my eye socket. But 
the Lord just sort of downloaded a simple, a simple talk. And I went straight back upstairs. I don't know. I can't explain it. I just went down to get food, and it was just... And I grabbed the closest thing I could, and I borrowed my daughter's Monopoly box to um, just write some thoughts down. So I'm not catching up on the rules. It was too sacred and pure to... You know, I thought about type, typing it up, but I thought that kind of ruined the, the nostalgia of it. So here we go. When I think about goal setting, when I think about the reality in this room that there's certainly a mixed bag of emotions. Some of you are getting ready to have big life changes. Marriage. I'm doing the ceremony. We're super stoked for you guys, Susan and Chuck. Let's give it up for them right now. Sorry. They, I didn't ask their permission, that's why I said sorry, but then I was already way over the precipice. So they're getting married on New Year's Eve, and, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful celebration. But just the reality, you know, as, as we were worshiping, I, the reason sometimes I have to step away from the mic is when I, sometimes I like to close my eyes and worship and just kind of imagine looking on Jesus' face, and, which is a beautiful part of worship. But did you know that corporate worship is also about looking around you? And seeing what God's doing in each other. And as I looked out, I just, I'm just very aware that many of you have been facing battles and you're tired. In fact, one of the, the working titles of this talk before he gave me the Monopoly version was, was Winding Down or Winding Up. That was one of the working titles. Because how many of you, you need some rest. Just raise your hand. I, you're weary, you're tired, you're like, I don't want your seven-step plan for goals, dude. I just want to like cruise into 2020. It's been a battle. I'm tired. And I, you know what, as your friend and your pastor, I want you to know that there's grace for that. If it's been a tough season, if your heart has grown weary and fatigued, and it's actually okay as you look ahead to 2020 and just say, I, you know, I, I could use some healing. I, if there was just some huge cosmic pause, I would hit it because life has been so fast and so violent and so abrupt. And I, I want you to know that there is grace for that. But for some of you, you're like, I'm pretty good. I'm winding up, dude. And then when you have a cold, you're like, I don't want to wind anything. I just want to lay in my bed and watch football. Come on, Clemson. Come on. That was just a great game last night for those of you who watched college football. Wow. But I just felt just really sensed the Lord that there is grace for whatever you're facing. With God, there is not ethereal grace. It doesn't, it's not like God has this favor and empowering love and presence stored away somewhere. God is a God who appropriates his provision where we need it most. It's not a theory with God. It's not just a, a magic wand. And I, I sure hope my people make it. it grace is specific. It's, it's, it's kind of like modern surgery. Anyone had a knee replacement or hip replacement? It's like that little isn't it amazing? My, my grandma just had a total re, hip restructure and fell in, in Kansas City. 
but just those little marks that, and I I want you to know God's grace is even more laser focused than that. And so if you get anything from the talk today, wherever you're at, winding down or winding up, riddled with regret and remorse or rearing to go and charge the hill, I want you to know that wherever you are, open up your heart to the Lord's grace today. Let him come. Let him flood into your mind, into your soul. Let him come and minister to you. It's one of the most powerful pictures in all of Scripture when when we consider Jesus the one who is worthy of infinite worship and adoration. But when he comes, he comes to minister to us. And before I go any further, I just, I pray, God, that tangible, laser-focused grace, I pray that for your people here this morning. I pray that your love, your tenderness, your powerful grace, like laser-focused, would just touch us here in this room or those watching online wherever we need it most. And we'll give you glory. We'll give you honor. In Christ's name, amen. So I started thinking about the Son of God. What would he think about a new year? Whenever I get stuck or spun out in some unhealthy place internally, I just always go back and lock eyes with Jesus. How about you? What's your, what's your compass? What's your anchor point? I would propose the, the only one that is totally sure and secure, perfect from every angle, is when Jesus is your anchor point. And so yesterday as, as, as I was thinking about this talk, I, well, what about Jesus? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's always an appropriate question to say, what about Jesus? I started thinking about what was Jesus' objective on coming to the earth. I don't want theological arguments here. I did my best to distill it on a Monopoly cardboard box. To save the world. Say amen if you agree so far. To inaugurate and establish God's eternal, peaceable kingdom through his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. This was his objective, to restore God's realm, reign, and rule over all creation, and to restore, by his love and power and grace, the marred image of God within all of humanity, to heal a sin-sick people. Am I doing okay so far? But... This was his objective, okay? And it was an eternal objective. It was the gospel has been God's idea from before time began. I thought, how did Jesus operate within this objective? In other words, what was his fundamental identity? He lived out of three things at least. 
He was totally aware that he was the beloved son of his father. And because he was the beloved son, he knew he was also the royal heir over all creation. Number one, beloved royal son, but also that he came to suffer and to be God's servant. So his objective, thank you so much. What a blessing you are. His objective, save the world, inaugurate and establish the kingdom, heal the broken image because of sin and humanity, (laughs) destroy the works of darkness. There's a billion more, but those are at least sufficient for now. How he operated within that objective was his identity as a son who was royal and loved. And his whole life was that of a posture of a servant. If you agree so far, can you just say amen? And then I thought, did Jesus face any obstacles when he was trying to operate and to fulfill his objective? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to help us. Have you faced any obstacles in 2019? Have you faced any setbacks? Have you had to suffer? Have things not panned out on occasion for you that you hope they would? Just nod your head at me. I want you to know Jesus has something relevant to show us and to say to us in that place. Jesus is immediately after he's baptized into this amazing declaration of his father. He's tested. And here's what he was tested about. Fulfill your destiny without the cost of obedience. Because if you can turn stones to bread, you can rule the world. If you're an automatic food dispenser. If you can jump off of temples and levitate, people would probably give you their allegiance. And then certainly if you ruled all all over the kingdoms of the earth, you're ruling over the kingdoms of the earth. The enemy tries to get Jesus to come out of the operational reality of his objective to get at his end without costly obedience in the in-between. What if it's not so much about 2020, what we accomplish as it is the kind of people we're becoming along the way? Jesus passed the test. His last Bible verse that he quoted at the devil was, worship the Lord and serve him only. And I want to say those are probably the wisest words ever uttered. uttered. How many think that we could get enough mileage out of that until we see his face in glory? Worship the Lord and serve him only. The sun, his face is set, Isaiah 50, like Flint, as the royal heir of all creation, and he's going to worship and serve his father. That's how he's going to arrive at his objective. Then what do we see Jesus do next? No one's taking notes, but it's good. I can give you a photocopy of my thing. (laughs) After Jesus passed the test, did he go riding off solo into the wind and accomplish his objective all alone? Listen, I'm giving you us a roadmap for 2020, man. He went and got a bunch of people and gathered them around him and formed a community. It's the old adage. I have it on one of my marathon shirts. You can go fast alone, but you'll go far together. 
after Jesus passes the test and refuses to come at his inheritance, fulfilling his purpose without costly obedience, the first thing he does is he forms a community to go along with him along the way. Jesus formed a team. I love all of my friends who serve relentlessly at the refuge dinner, week in and week out, week in and week out. Whoever got the shirts, was it you or, or Samuel? But Team Jesus. They all wear the shirts, Team Jesus. So beautiful. Jesus forms a team. And I want to propose to you that whatever God has ahead of us in 2020, he wants us to do it together. I want to propose to you that you can go fast alone, but we're going to, we can make it to the end if we, if we stick together. And then what do we see? If you're just taking Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount, which is the way that community is to embody the righteousness of God together. The way we live as kingdom citizens, living upright, righteous lives in a crooked world in need of justice and healing. Halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reveals the secret source to accomplish all these objectives. Your Father who's in secret. How are we going to do it? How are we going to accomplish this? Your Father who's in secret. I look back at the tape for 2019, and the very first sermon I preached in 2019 was God wanted 2019 to be a year where we won the battle within so he could conquer the world without. I might carry that one over into 2020 because there's more. <laughs> but how many would say that God did some work within, your, within you inside 2019, that there was, there was some real work? He, and I would propose that that work is not a result because of your sheer effort, but because of your Father who's in secret. He will be found by you if you and I will set our hearts to seek him. He wants to source us. It's not just about what we do or accomplish, but who we're becoming along the way. And then I thought, did anyone face anything overwhelming in 2019? Raise your hand again, just since we're getting the exercise in today. I thought, gosh, is there a Jesus story where Jesus ever faced an impossible situation? <laughs> The Gospels record two miraculous mass feedings. And I thought, there's something there for us. When surrounded by an impossible situation, there's two options. Freak out, worry, and bury your head in the sand. Or offer the Lord what you have with the spirit of thanksgiving and allow him to break it and distribute it. I started thinking about those situations I faced this year when I felt like it was impossible did I move into a place of cynicism and, oh, this is impossible and it's as good as it's going to get? Or did I take whatever resource I had available and just put it in the master's hands and say, God, I thank you that you gave this to me. You're able to do more with my little in your hands than I could do in a lifetime accumulating and holding. 
The feeding of the thousands reveals a secret that what you have is always enough if it's in his hands. So, you may have faced impossibilities. I guarantee you will face impossibilities. Let's adopt that posture of Jesus. I don't know how, but what I have, I'm going to put it in his hands, and I'm going to thank him, and I'm going to watch what he'll do. And I thought, did Jesus ever have adversity at home with his family? No one's like, why we all need inner healing is we just got done with Christmas, right? We need God to break in. And the Bible says that in Mark 3 that, and others in the gospel that his family thought he was mad out of his mind. They rejected him. In John chapter 7, we see a picture of Jesus' brothers egging him on, saying, those who want to become a public figure, go make yourself known jeering him on, not understanding his objective or how he was going to operate and carry out that objective. So maybe this year it's been hard on your family. I want you to know Jesus understands and there's grace for that. You want to know it's super, super duper cool after his death and resurrection? Those that rejected him and his family came around. They became leaders of the Jesus movement. So maybe 2019, you say, my family, I'm hanging on by a thread. Well, 2020, God just might put that family back together. He just just might heal. He just might meet you in that place of brokenness and rejection. And he might breathe on those dry bones and put life back into that situation that feels utterly hopeless. At least that's what he did for Jesus. Anyone ever been abandoned by friends or those that you thought were with you but they left? I just don't know if Jesus ever had to deal with that. Because he had the prophetic spirit, he actually knew beforehand and told them. Imagine being told you'll deny and you still deny. Okay, you may have thought you blew it this year, but come on. The Bible says that even if all abandon you, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So even when you felt abandoned or like you were left to fend for yourself, there was one standing in your corner. Even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. How many know many times when we don't see him moving outside of us, it's because he's moving inside of us. That was good. That's not on the cardboard. (laughs) Who's got a pen? Family rejection, abandonment by friends. Even, Even being so dark, maybe this one will talk to somebody here in this room. Anyone felt forsaken by God? 
Can we talk? Can we be real? I mean, the Bible's replete with real conversations between people and God. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> when will you come? Will you reject this forever? I mean, this is like at least a third of the Psalms, probably. Laments, cries for restored presence, a sense of awareness. Where'd you go? Anyone this year, 2019, you felt like God abandoned you? I wonder if Jesus ever can relate to that. You do know that Psalm 22 was written about Jesus that he quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm the only one that ever that ever lived perfectly right and just and pure. Now all my bones are on display. They're dividing my garments with a lot. God, where are you? Even when you felt abandoned this year, he has not abandoned you. Even the darkness is as light to him. It says in Psalm 139, And this is probably the last point, second to last point. What is striking about all of these things, and there's way more, that's all that I had room for in Monopoly box. (laughs) We're thinking about the year ahead and the obstacles and the joys and the tragedies, the triumphs and the the tests of faith. What's so striking about all that I just described in the Gospels and that we see with laser focus in Jesus He did all of it for the joy set before him. Anyone experience the joy of obedience in 2019 where it didn't make sense on paper, but because he said it, I did it. Anyone sense that joy? What if we erased every definition in the arm of flesh about success? And what if we just in its place said success equals obedience? Come on, how many want to be successful in 2020? Okay, that's over here. Anyone else want to be successful in 2020? Did you know you can be 100% successful if you just obey the next thing he says? (laughs) Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, who endured such hostility from sinful man, but joy was kept burning like a lamp in his spirit because he knew the end from the beginning. He would see the light of life and he would see his offspring. Isaiah 53, 10 through 13. He would see his offspring. Death would not be the end for King Jesus. And I want you to know here in this room, death is not the end. And I thought, here's what the whole talk hinges on. Here's what will have radical implications, tiny change, unspeakable impact. The biggest difference between Jesus and us, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, is that every setback Every ounce of adversity, every difficulty, every sense of abandonment, forsakenness, every tragedy, every bit of suffering, Jesus learned obedience through it. 
Let me explain that one, one more try. Hebrews 5 says, Son though he was, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Can you and I say that every difficulty and tragedy and uphill battle, did we learn obedience from what we went through, or did we miss the lesson because we complained, grew bitter, critical, woe is me? Am I talking to anyone now? And if obedience is success and the way to learn to obey is by in the midst of the grinder, the uphill battle, the insurmountable odds around us, the army that's breathing down our neck, the letter that came, the word from the doctor, the the relationship on the ropes. If obedience is success and the only way to learn obedience is by going through those things with the posture of he called me, he's faithful, he will do it if I'll just keep my eyes on him and obey the next thing. Come on, man. And I thought that is the singular point of departure. That's the singular point of departure. Jesus can identify everything we've ever faced and ever will face, but every difficult thing he faced, he was learning how to obey Dad. Most of the time, every difficult thing we face, it's where'd he go? Why am I alone? But like I said at the beginning of the talk, there's grace for that. Don't you dare condemn yourself. Sign up for class with school Jesus called the kingdom of God. And what if you and I looked to our right and our left and said, I'm going to help you stay in the posture of a learner because obedience is success. And the only way we learn that is by going through it and overcoming by faith. Why is, that, why is the gospel such good news? Is because he's already gone through all of it and made a way in it for us to learn the lesson. This last point is from my dad. My dad and I talk every day. I told him some of the, the, the nuts and bolts of the talk, and then he he said, son, what about Peter and Judas? I'm, so this is an unapologetic ripoff from a phone conversation two days ago. I mean, just unapologetic. He steals from me all the time and never gives me credit. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Two powerful pictures, Judas and Peter. Both disciples, both students of Jesus. They were in his inner circle. Both faced incredible, um, no, I'm sorry. Both made incredibly stupid decisions. Both renounced and rejected Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Maybe you're here today, and I, I, it's not, this is not for everybody, and this isn't Debbie Downer or Susie Downer or whatever Downer or Jim Downer, I don't know. There's a world, and I got this quote from here, there's a world of difference between saying, I am a failure, and I failed. Shake your head at me if you understand the difference. And I, I blew it. I, I made some choices in 2019. I, I like to be buried. World of difference between I am a failure 
and I have failed. Are you tracking with me? And if, if that one thing got broken off of us, man, I, my hope for 2020 would just like, kind of like a, a buoy, just breaking through the surface of the water. Oh, if God could just heal us of that mentality. But here's what's powerful. Both men, after Judas betrayed Jesus and betrayed him with a kiss and he took the 30 pieces of silver, his regret, instead of it being a road sign to a just course, became a roadblock and he took his own life. He felt bad. The Bible literally says he was filled with remorse. I'm talking about those who face, maybe you look into the new year and you have some regrets. I know I do. I could have done this. I should have, man, I could, blah, 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 blah. Come on, raise your hand if I'm talking to anyone. The issue of regret. But if we're not careful, regret, it can lead to remorse. You can feel bad, but God doesn't want us living out of that place of just feeling bad. Godly sorrow is good, but he's like, there's another step out of that, or multiple steps. But for Judas, remorse turned to self-condemnation, which turned to shame, despair, and no other hope but to end his life. He had deep regret and remorse. Peter denied Jesus just like Judas. What's the difference? Peter, his regret, instead of just remorse, led to repentance. How do we know? He's the one in Luke's gospel who runs to the empty tomb. Both faced regret. Both didn't have a perfect record. Both, man, they wish they could have gone back. Maybe you're like, I wish I could have gone back in 29. I just want you to know. You don't have to go the way of just simply remorse and condemnation and, 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 and I'm hopeless and I'm a failure instead of, man, there's some things I wish I could do again. You, like Peter, can run to an empty tomb and that repentance can turn to reconciliation and it can turn to resurrection. Both men wept bitterly, but Peter ran to the tomb. And man, my heart for us, as I've done, done, you think about all these things that Jesus, he nailed it. He did it. He accomplished his objective. And he's still working in our midst today through his people who will follow in his footsteps. But that one thing about regret, I want to go after it as we close. I want God to take that regret. And instead of you and I seeing a roadblock, what if it was a road sign that says you can learn from it and get better? (laughs) It's not the end. It's a fork in the road. Now let's learn and let's learn obedience from what we suffer. And how many know sometimes that suffering is our own doing? Not all the time, but sometimes. (laughs) It's talking truth. So if you'd say, Chatty, I want to learn obedience this year. I want to follow the Monopoly box roadmap of Jesus. And I, I want to just, I want to, here's what I, felt, I saw in my, what felt like a stupor yesterday, but I just saw whatever you have to bring, I just want you to bring it to Jesus. I'm going to bring what I have to Jesus. So can we just stand to our feet as we close? The last service we share together in 2019, Maybe you're bringing him the best year you ever had. We'll bring it to him as a gift right now. Say, Jesus, thank you. 
Maybe it was the toughest year you've ever had. Great. Bring it to Jesus and say thank you. Maybe you're here and something touched you about rejection or abandonment or difficulty or that last piece about regret. You say, God, I want to run to an empty tomb too, like Peter. I want to learn from those mistakes and those things. And I want God to mature and to bring me into a greater reality of success, which is defined as obedience to his love. So just take a minute and just offer to Jesus whatever you have this morning. It's all yours. We bring it all to you, Jesus. Would you come and breathe upon the embers of our heart? And whether we're winding up or some of us are winding down or a little bit of both, would your healing presence ignite a hope, a faith, and a love within us for the year that lies ahead. Thank you for breaking the power of regret equals roadblock. Thank you for a new door of opportunity in 2020 to grow, to learn, to go on with you. Jesus, come. Take up residence in us. Establish your kingdom in 2020 like we never have seen before. We welcome you and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray it, amen and amen.